Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 8 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack? Cracks 90, as always, PT, as always. We had, you know, we had a decent week of, uh, decent week of wrestling, but more so we're coming into those nice summery months, so it's shorts wearing weather pt it's shorts wearing weather oh the wrestling the outsides the heat it's all coming together now right yeah it was it was such a nice day today and you know i spent every single waking minute inside playing video games so i mean that's kind of what you do in the summer right you uh you make sure you kind of get up you uh, maybe have a little tea or some coffee, right? You look at the day, open the blinds. Ooh, it's a little, uh, it's a little sunshine outside. Time for some video games. Yeah, well, I mean, I got my exercise in. You know, I went for a walk. I got my got myself all nice and sweaty. Did a wee bit of a power walk and then stuff. You know, trying to get into some sort of shape that isn't rotund round. Um, and then I came back, played some video games, and um, well, I'm a shower, then played video games all day. So you know. It was, uh, it was a very good day to cap off a very good week, and hopefully the weather uh, maintains like this and does not, unfortunately, threaten to uh, turn into really, really scorching hot weather the next few days. Yeah, it's been hot by me as well. I think the the notion of uh, as long as it kind of stays even keel, if it's gonna be if it's gonna be hot, kind of just stay around the same thing. It's rough when the temperature either drops a bunch or goes up a bunch relative so those uh steady inclines or downclines is kind of what we want as opposed to just jumping all over the place i don't mind if things get cold because i can add layers on right but there's only so many layers you can take off before you're not allowed in public spaces um so <laughs> you know i'm at the bare minimum because uh, you know I got that bulk, so I don't like to take my shirt off. And shorts is about as shorts is about as uh, naked as it gets out in the public uh, the spaces. So uh, I I run around in a hoodie even in the hot weather. So uh, if it's super super hot, you won't catch me outside. But I will have several fans pointed at me at all times. Fair enough. Yeah, it's been uh, like I said, it's been uh, it's been a hot one, and it's only going to heat up more. Some more wrestling coming our way. Oh yeah. All right. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Liv Morgan and Austin Theory win big at Money in the Bank. And we take a look at the AEW tag team division. Coming up first. Liv Morgan and Austin Theory win big at Money in the Bank. So we saw this week starting off hot with the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view in Las Vegas this past weekend, which the outcome, we ended up seeing Liv Morgan win the Money in the Bank briefcase and subsequently cash it in to defeat Ronda Rousey and become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. And then we saw in the main event, Austin Theory ended up coming victorious, climbing the ladder, and taking the Money in the Bank briefcase. So, Joker, let me throw it over to you. What were your uh, initial thoughts coming out of the pay-per-view? Um, 
overall it wasn't terrible uh a couple of things that i wanted to happen did happen uh, a couple of things that happened that i was like okay i'm not mad um and one overall thing that happened that i was like now we've got to deal with terrible booking for the next six to eight months so yay isn't that um, a isn't terrible booking a year-round problem though you said it not me okay you said that one that's that's just, y'all heard that quote pt on that um but yeah no i completely agree uh but this is like forced uh bad booking where it's like uh, oh we, we've got this sort of damocles hanging over the uh uh, hanging over the championships and unfortunately this year for me it's like you could only really give it to a big name to sort of like add to the threat that it might be cashed in like we said like we were saying in the predictions Seth Rollins would be a good idea um, because he is a big threat he would have been two-time Mr. Money in the Bank that would have been that would have been super good uh, you could have given it the big Drew, um, Shamo, you know, wh- whoever else you wanted. Um, and you could have had this legit sword of Damocles hanging over the head of Roman Reigns that you're like, oh, the threat is always there. But now you've got um, A-Town down holding onto the briefcase and he's about as threatening as a wet paper towel. So... Yeah, I mean, both Money in the Bank victories ended up getting a large uh, reaction from the crowd, which is good. I mean, whether it's a positive or negative, excuse me, whether it's a positive or negative, it's definitely a reaction is what you want. Obviously, Liv being a bit more of a fan favorite, a huge pop coming out of the night, as well as Austin Theory um, taking away the Money in the Bank briefcase, a little bit more booze and jeers type of thing. I will give the Fed credit that we're looking to build new stars. So mm-hmm. it goes back to our prediction video where um, we ended up thinking about, well, there's some folks that have had the briefcase before and there's some folks that have not had the briefcase before. And I think the internet wrestling community has been banging on, especially in the last five to six years, especially about we're not building new stars and we want some of our fan favorites and we want some people to get more recognition and become more popular and have an opportunity. And mm-hmm. we've, what we've seen specifically basically falls under two categories. The first being we sort of go and rest on our laurels of who's going to be booked to have a push. And we see it with the likes of the Charlotte flares of the Becky Lynch's or the Seth Rollins or the Roman reigns, kind of those established folks that, now we know can, you know, if we're in a lull of booking or a lull in the time of year, we can just slap them in a storyline or put a belt on them when we're fine. The second notion that usually falls on, all right, well, now we're going to bring back somebody from the past. And more specifically, in recent times, Goldberg has fallen into that category of we need some ratings quick, just get Goldberg to make an appearance. So outside of those two pieces about kind of resting on your laurels of having the use the folks that we've used so many times before, I'm giving them credit that, all right, well, we look at Liv. 
She's been pushed a little bit more in the past three to four months. Okay, cool. You know, let's go ahead and put the briefcase on her. Same thing with Austin Theory. And we've seen it a little bit more specifically with him being pushed more recently with the U.S. Championship, being in segments with Vince, specifically leading into, and then at WrestleMania. So I will give them credit. Let's build a new star. You have nothing to lose. If they quote-unquote fail, which they maybe don't win the championship, which in Liv's case she did, or they're just maybe not doing ratings, however you want to quantify that, you know, you throw the briefcase on somebody else then, if that's the case. Uh, or they have an opportunity to be successful and maybe win a championship. Again, you have nothing to lose. Just pull the trigger. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then you go back to one of those two categories I mentioned before. Yeah, um, I feel like the women's division in WWE has the uh, catalysts in place to inject some new life into the uh, division. And with the acceleration with Liv, um, I feel like has come across as a result of several extraneous factors, notwithstanding her own personal growth and her her work. Um, the leaving of a few key stars, the injuries of a few key stars um, are necessitating these uh, building of new stars in both the men's and women's division. Um, I feel like personally, the men's side of thing has uh, the men's side of things has a lot more star power regardless. You've got the likes of Sheamus, you've got the likes of Drew, you've got the likes of Seth, Roman who's absentee at the minute, Brock who's, you know, is equal on the absenteeism. And then you've got your, your bringing through uh, your people like the Mad Cat Moss, you're bringing back in Corbin, you're, you have the Bobby Lashley stood there, you know, he's a credible threat at all points in time, much like everybody else. But in the women's division, uh, you have... Ronda Rousey, uh, Becky Lynch, Asuka, and Bianca Belair. Because at the minute, there's a couple of individuals who are out injured. Uh, we spoke at length before, both on and off recording, about Rhea Ripley. Unfortunately, she is currently out injured. Best wishes to her. Um, and, you know, the, the former tag team partner of Liv Morgan. Uh, I was very skeptical, personally, about Liv getting the chance because... Over the last few years, there have been stop-start pushes for her. Um, and she has always been a favorite because she is uh, she's very quick, she's very agile, she's very good um, at cutting a, a decent promo. Um, she's just an all-around star par kind of girl. Uh, and I really do enjoy... Uh, I really did enjoy seeing her in the Riot Squad when that was a thing. Um, I saw I liked to see her whenever she was doing her solo run. And then every time we would get our hopes up that there'd be something for Liv Morgan, it would be taken away from us. And I feel like that is the main reason why you saw an awful lot of fan uh, fanaticism um, and cheers and a lot of really big, natural, you deserve it chance because she has put in the work and she has done this thing and she is finally being given the credit of both the money in the bank and the victory over an injured Ronda Rousey. And this is the thing 
that I really like about the money in the bank um, stipulation is the fact that no matter what happens, whoever gets cashed in on can remain strong given decent booking because the person coming in is an opportunist. And whenever it's been for the past, in 2020, it was Asuka that won, didn't have to cash in because she just got given the belt. 2021, it was Nikki A.S.H. cashed in the same night and she won. She lost pretty recently after that. She lost after that, didn't she? Uh, she didn't hold on to the, the smack. I think it was a SmackDown's title that, uh, for her as well. might have been wrong, but whatever. It doesn't matter. She didn't hold it for very long. Um, and now it's Liv Morgan cashing in night off. They seem to be... I really don't want it to happen. It's just a pessimist in me. Like they just they seem to be um pushing her really quickly and all female stars like whenever they get the money in the bank to immediately get the title. And then depending on who it is, see how long we can last with uh, with the title. Yes. The more recent booking of the women's money in the bank has been yeah, we are going to have them win because I, if I'm not mistaken, the women's is like a hundred percent successful it cash in is, rate. Yeah. So, I believe we can look at the statistics and de definitely let me know down in the comments that outside of Carmella, who ended up holding on to the briefcase for a while and then basically cashed in on Charlotte after WrestleMania, the Subsequent cash-ins have been either night of or basically a short turnaround and ended up winning the championship. And to your point, it's been a, all right, we're going to see how this goes kind of thing and have it play out sort of. So they haven't had a huge reign subsequently because of the briefcase. Yeah, you've had to have the, the big name come in after that and take it like the Charlotte Flair, like the Becky Lynch, uh, you know, come in and take that off them. Uh, because that the title was maybe previously held by somebody who they couldn't beat. Yeah, so to have the cash-in beyond Ronda, which was, uh, there was conjecture whether it was a babyface thing to do, because after her hard-fought matchup with Natalia, she appeared to have a, uh, a bum leg, uh, a bad wheel, and then sort of be easy picking for Liv, but honestly, it didn't hurt Ronda in terms, it did more for Liv than it than it ever would have hurt Ronda, for sure. And we see her return and have a match on SmackDown anyway, so it's uh, it's all gravy. Yep. But that notwithstanding, to your earlier point about there is more development and growth in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, as we've seen in the participants, and you uh, ended up reeling them off, and we have more contenders and development for them and growth in characters for them than we've seen in the women's division and i think it's notwithstanding and taking nothing away from Liv, maybe because some folks are not there or some folks were injured she was a definitely a good choice of all the folks involved but i would definitely like to see and it goes back to our discussion a couple episodes ago about the aw women's division Succinctly, we want better storylines and 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 more pushes for folks all around, so we can have a stronger division and and an overall better better show. 
But we, I would like to see them have a little bit more depth and maybe not concentrate on one or two folks at a time and maybe spread it around a little bit. So then we can have maybe seven women in a ladder match where you're like, you know what? Any one of these seven women can do it as opposed to, I really think it's going to be this person or this person. Yeah, um, I feel like the the real thing that we had a problem with last week was picking a Women's Money in the Bank winner, uh, and we both kind of lent the fact that we really want to see Bailey back and her just to become that sort of Miss Money in the Bank uh, surprise entrant uh, and win it and all that. You have a few stars, like you have three to four big names in the women's division who are credible threats. Um, because of the bad booking that has surrounded the rest of the division. Um, you have your Natalia's who she refers to herself as the boat. Like, okay, cool, you're calling yourself the best of all time. It's not an acronym you want to be using, Bodie McBoatface. Like, legitimately, that is the name of a boat in the UK. It was a poll given to the public, and they voted Bodie McBoatface. And every time she says, I am the boat, that's what I think of. So it's a good please, name. I like the it, name. It really, it's just it's just one of those things. Um, and then you have a legitimate MMA fighter in Shayna Baszler, who a few years ago was in Hell in the Cell, uh, absolutely murked the entire women's division, and then was summarily just shifted into the the lower mid card of that 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 whole scene. Um, I would love to see the title on. Shayna, because the stuff that she did in NXT was amazing. Like, she was a great women's champion in NXT. And I would love to see the Queen of Spades come back and just murk everybody against. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, just have that absolute monster comeback because you can put her as a credible threat to everyone else. Like, you've got this Ronda Rousey, sure, but. Your real Ronda Rousey character is Shayna Baszler. Just put her in, give her the title. You know, put her on a trajectory with Liv, please, uh, or uh, or Bianca, because you know they were both in NXT. They had a really good uh, sequence of events in NXT as well. Um, like Rhea Ripley going out is unfortunate. She's another credible threat. Uh, but I'm sure, she, like Shotzi has her fans. I'm not one of them. I not really she hasn't clicked for me uh ali is sort of a new character i haven't really clicked with that either uh raquel it's raquel rodriguez that's that that's what she's called now right yeah yeah Yeah. um she just smiles too much like legitimately even baby faces do not smile this much her whole shtick is she smiles i know and that's that's her that's her character. Yeah. At the moment, her character is she's the wrestler that smiles. Yeah. And that is terrible. Like you had one good match with Ronda Rousey, and I've seen you smile more than I've seen you do anything, and that's the only thing I remember about you. Stop it, please. Just get her something else, and then you can build her up to be a credible threat, because she is a credible threat if you give her the time of day. Um, so you have all of these potential uh, individuals in that division, but you don't want to give them the time of day. Because when 
they get themselves over, uh, you kind of keep them down. Like Shayna tried to do, she got herself over big style by being just a legit badass. Raquel probably could have done exactly the same. Shotzi had the makings to some of her fans with the tank and the, the helmet and you know her whole her whole look. Um, it was taken away from her. It's like, well, unfortunately, I hate to tell you, that was always going to happen. Like, NXT is a different breed. Like, even the Cody Vader's gone. If Cody can't have nice things, Shotzi ain't having nice things, okay? Um, so it's one of those things that you kind of got to look out for. Do you have more than what your gimmick is? And a couple of individuals don't. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we're, we're trying to figure out, let's give them just something right now, and then we'll kind of figure out and pass it as a go. But at least the notion of having, let's kind of start off strong, put, take more than a day to write the character, write the notion, work with the individual to kind of see. And again, we just, we want more, more for these characters, more for these wrestlers, more for the storyline. But I will say this, at least when, when it comes to the women's money in the bank ladder match, we got to have a little bit of a storyline build toward it and kind of see all the characters kind of come in into the match. Austin theory ended up very last minute, just being thrown into the match, a la, here's a Vince Russo swerve. Like, I I woke up, obviously the match was on a Saturday uh, Saturday night for me. I woke up and I foolishly uh, went on to Twitter first thing, and before my brain could comprehend that I'd done something really stupid, I just saw Theory was trending. And I was like, oh, he made his way into the Money of the Bank ladder match, didn't he? And I closed Twitter. I didn't think anything of it. And then you know, everybody was in the ring. And it was about to start. I was like, fuck, I was worried about nothing. And then the postman comes out. And you're just like, this is this is theory in it. This is theory. I was like, I'm going to see your seven. And, really, and I'm just like, no, don't do it. And yeah. He, and you saw everyone's face in the ring. like. Obviously, they were told to look annoyed, but I feel like some of them legitimately were annoyed. Like, why is this kid getting an entry to this match when he lost earlier on this week and we all had to qualify? Like, I would say that there was at least a couple of the guys that were shoot kind of upset or pissed off. Yeah. Sami Zayn looked livid. Yeah. He looked livid. But then again, Sami Zayn is one of the best character actor workers in the WWE at the minute. So, he, you know, he, he's just amazing. And uh, to be fair, I probably wouldn't have minded Sami Zayn winning uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, some of them probably were shoot pissed. They well, were annoyed. If you were, uh, if you're a betting person, you would have lost because if I'm not mistaken... I'm not a gambler, and I don't condone it, and definitely it's one of those things, but man, they was not an entrant, and they pulled, like I said, the little bit of a a Vince Russo swerve to it, and you ended up seeing, it was a strong matchup, for sure, but I think the notion of having him added, again, you saw a little bit of the frustration from the guys in the ring and the folks uh, in the crowd that were kind of like a little bit confused and kind of tight, but 
it, the match ended up coming together, which was fine. But getting a little bit of that Roman Reigns heat, like it makes me think of that one wrestle, yeah. uh, that one Royal Rumble where he started off the pay per view with losing the championship match, and then look who comes out at the end of the Royal Rumble match. Number who is it? 30. Royal Royal Rumble probable winner, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Big Dog himself, Roman Reigns. So man, man, I'm not trying to steal Cameron Grimes' thunder, but brother. To the moon being pushed. Yeah, like so back in back in that time of before the needle mover, before the head of the table, before anyone was being asked to acknowledge the big dog, don't call me Jojo Anoai, Roman Reigns, big man, king of the world, goat man, dude. Uh you just kind of watch the rock, look at everybody holding up uh Roman's hand going. Why is everybody booing me? I'm the rock. So he definitely does have this thing where if if theory gets um and it was good because whenever we saw him with uh Cena, Cena just blanked him and walked off. So Cena got mad credibility uh back in uh in pretty much everybody's eyes whenever um whenever he did that. But uh I don't think it would end any different to that. Um, sort of interaction where you would have somebody trying to endorse him and everybody just booing. But the uh, the main problem I have is I don't really I don't I don't know how much of the booing was piped in because it felt to me that a lot of the uh, reaction to him was a groaning indifference. Like, why is this guy being force-fed down our throats? We already told you how we felt with that with, like you said, Roman Reigns being shoved down our throats. Like, Roman's heel work, his heel character work in recent years, has made him a much-beloved star because he's doing really well. He's an arrogant heel. And that is perfect for him. And I think because um, he comes off a little bit more genuine and natural. Yes, exactly. But the theory character is trying to play this arrogant Hale, and I feel like I said this before, is like he's playing it, but it's not heading for me. Like, sure, you're taking that, you're taking all your selfies, you're your prince pretty, dude. Like that's who you are. Right now, you're Prince Pretty 2.0, and there's nothing taken away from him. But can you do something else? Because you hanging around titles is not going to do you any good when you have these people like Bobby Lashley. You have Roman Reigns, who does not look like he's going to be losing that title anytime soon. So why give it to somebody like Theory, uh, who you're trying to push? I mean, it makes it look like you're going to give it to Theory over Roman at some point down the line. And that honestly scares me, because if you do that, you're not listening to people. And I know that they don't ever listen to people, like see the the Daniel Bryan sort of build on um, the snubbing of him and the Roman Reigns and John Cena's and and the, the, the Goldberg that you mentioned earlier on, all that stuff comes through. They do what they think is best for business, and that is perfectly fine. The best way to get over 
theory is let theory do something different because this ain't it. At least not for me personally. I'm a heel guy. I love my heel characters because when they're firing on all cylinders, they make you groan. They make you uh, annoyed. Uh, they get the booze. Um, this guy just kind of makes me go, <sighs> fast forward. I'm bored. Like he bores me. And that's usually reserved for the really steel baby faces. It goes back to our previous notion of, I do appreciate them. All right, let's try to build a new star. And we're seeing that wholeheartedly with Theory, where you've seen him in segments with uh, Vince McMahon, and then obviously having the connection with him at WrestleMania, winning the money, winning the United States Championship, now with winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. So I'm a bit conflicted in the sense that I do appreciate them. We're gonna build something new. Let's let's give let's pull the trigger. Go with some go with some fresh kind of faces, fresh stars. But is it too much too soon? Is it too soon for Austin Theory? In the point of we've seen in the past again four or five months all this push to the moon success. Now he has the briefcase. Is it? Are we going to see him beat Roman for the championship and be the guy? Is it something that do we see down the line someone takes it off of him? I don't know. What are your thoughts? In my opinion, it's way too soon for him. Way too soon. Because you do have this uh, current line of champion with Roman Reigns. Um, the money in the bank briefcase was always going to end up on somebody who was never going to immediately cash in anyway. But for somebody like Theory, you need to not only have him win, but you need to have him win and then cash in. He he is the type the type of character and the type of person and the his place on the on the grand scheme of things. In my opinion, you need to get him to win, and then you need to have him cash in immediately. Obviously, Roman wasn't there, so he couldn't do that. So you need to have him cash in and take this momentum. And then, you know, then, then yes, you have him as this like Miz 2.0 sort of thing going on, uh, where he's running, ducking, dodging fights, not wanting to do them like he was doing. Um, you know, he was getting other people to fight for him and stuff like he was doing it uh, many weeks ago. Um, so they've, they've, for me, they've dropped the ball. Uh, I saw what they were doing and what, and in my opinion, what they should have done with it. Uh, but if you're going to have him hold on to it, why not give it to Sami Zayn? Because then you have Sami Zayn holding it for the tribal chief, the head of the table, the needle mover, the goat, etc. You know, all his names. Um, you have him hold on to it. Because he said, well, I'm going to sit on it. And then you expand the storyline with the bloodline even more. You keep that going. That's injected fresh blood into there. And then you have him in a storyline where just like uh, Otis, he loses the briefcase in a stipulation against theory. New yeah. blood coming in. And then he cashes in on Roman... Like you have Sammy lose it at the start of a pay per view, 
and then he cashes in at the end of a really bad pay-per-view where the Usos lose in, uh, and then you have Roman lose one of his to a cash-in. Like, how, how much better does that sound? I'm in agreement with you that there's more natural storytelling with other folks that were in the Money in the Bank ladder match for them to have won. You mentioned Sammy, of course, and with that whole Bloodline connection. Seth, Harkonnen, I've got Roman's number, things like that. Uh, Drew with uh, I'm going to cash in at uh, Clash at the Castle, things of that nature. So there's more, it felt more comfortable or more natural for to kind of go with some of those pieces. But, you know, I'm of the of opinion that guys like Drew, they don't need the briefcase. They can just win matches and call their shot. Guys like Seth can win matches and call their shot. So to have folks like maybe like a Sammy or somebody else, it would mean more to them because I feel like they would need sort of that push. But it's one of those things where I feel like it could hurt theory a little bit more to be pushed so soon than it can for him to gain the acceptance or gain the popularity um, with, with having the success so fast and having the briefcase as opposed to a little bit more of a natural push and a natural growth, but it feels like so much so fast. So I, I have, I am completely agreeing on, on that regard. And I do have, uh, in fact, we do have a rather apt comparison uh, because one of the last individuals that was chosen as Vince McMahon's chosen ones was Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was getting pushed to the moon. He won the Intercontinental title, if I'm not mistaken. He won so much. And then he, in an interview, he said himself, he rested on his laurels, fell tumbling down all the way into 3MB. Then he left the company, found himself, got jacked, came back. And now he is, you know, he came back as the Scottish psychopath in the NXT. Uh, Dolph Ziggler brought him up onto the main roster. And, you know, now he's the Scottish warrior bending really terrible swords uh, by smacking them against ring, ring ropes. It was just... It was fun the first time he did it at, at uh, WrestleMania, but this time, whenever I saw the fact that they were trying to cover up the fact that he bent this dollar store sword, I was like, oh, just get rid of the sword, please. Um, so that is the way that Theory can end up. He can get to being a, a WWE title holder, not at 24. It's way too soon for him because they're forcing a character on him that sucks. Um, he's not getting... He's not getting the sort of hatred that a heel would get. He's just getting sort of, dude, can you just go and do something else and stop bothering us? It's so like that annoying fly in the room. So more of that X-Pac go-away heat as opposed to... Yeah. Oh man, I don't want to see this guy as opposed to like, boo, you're a bad guy. Yeah, like that, that's what it's like for me. Because he's not a bad guy, he's just annoying. And he's not even Miz levels of annoying. Because I love the Miz. The Miz is great. He's one of the best heels in the game. Because 
he is just a smug a-hole. Like, I was going to add some more words in there, but they were all swear words. So I'm just going to keep it PG and just be like, he's an a-hole, but he's a hail. Like, the reaction, uh, if you remember whenever he cashed in on, or whenever he won against John Cena of Miz Girl in the in the stands, of her just really scarred. He was like, mm, can't believe he won. Nobody would give that the theory, because we're like, oh. Fine, boo, can't believe this is happening. This is like that's the worst thing anyone can get because you think you're you think you're over as a as a bad guy. It's like, no, you're just the the only thing that you're gonna be good for is whenever the baby face that comes in and beats you is gonna be propelled so far beyond you that you're no longer relevant because we don't care about you anymore. And that's what's dangerous. At 24 years of age, he is in danger of being completely left behind once he gets beaten. Yeah, it's a slippery slope that we've seen happen to other folks in the past. But if we're and thinking... Just as a clarification, sorry. Once he gets beaten at the top, because I know he did get beaten with the US title and then he got injected into this, but I mean, once he's at the top and he gets beaten, the baby face who beats him is is going is going to be the one who kicks him all the way back down. Sorry, just had to clarify. Yeah, no worries. So we're we're in agreement that we we're in favor of building new stars, but the slippery slope and the dangerous trajectory that could happen with Austin Theory here having so much too soon. We think about well, if it's not him, who else could it be? We've seen folks that have been pushed as of late. Your Bobby Lashleys your Matt Riddles, the tag team of Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. We've seen on the, on the women's side, more recently, Lacey Evans and Shotzi being pushed. So if we're thinking about maybe if it's not Austin Theory and or Liv, do any of those other folks seem like maybe an acceptable replacement for those, for those folks instead? For me... The women's uh, winner in Liv was fine. Uh, her cashing in, like, like I said, big fan of Liv. Really excited to see uh, how far she goes. Hopefully it's not going to be... Like, she's had an awful lot of good uh, runs, and if you paid attention to her Twitter, she's uh, she's peak AJ Lee with the Divas title. She's you know, tucking it in and you know offering it food and stuff like AJ, AJ Lee did all that many years ago. Um, uh, she's just she's an absolute delight with it um so that's really good plus she has put in um she has dealt with some really terrible storylines so i feel like she really does deserve it uh lacey evans no not so much because let's face it they don't really know what they're doing with her she's baby face until this week and now she's trying to force over a heel turn which was awkward as heck uh and Shotzi, um needs more time for me personally like i said I, I haven't clicked with shotzi um wasn't a big fan uh not really i wasn't a big fan of the fact that her and uh now athena ember moon were uh were broken up um and then wasn't a fan of the fact that her and tegan tegan knox i think was her next partner um so i mean she kept getting put into tag teams and then getting split up with them and just as about as they were gaining traction 
Um, so that's really annoying. Um, I feel like she needs more time, so that's fine. But um, the men's, uh, like I said, I probably, this side of Money in the Bank probably would have preferred the briefcase to be on Sammy, um, if not be on uh, Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, Bobby Lashley, I really want him to get back to the top position, but I need Roman to stop being the champion. Um, Riddle probably needs some time away from the bloodline before he can get back into the uh, thing because that, that stuff is just too fresh for him. Uh, having lost Randy and, and lost a lot of matches uh, to them. The Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins uh, breakup of the Street Profits is happening. It's not happening like now, uh, but it will happen. And I cannot wait to see both of these individuals excel. Like everybody's like, oh, Montez Ford is, is so jacked and he's so agile, and 100% you're right. But Angelo Dawkins can go. He is no slouch. And I feel like in the last few weeks, Tez may even have been downplaying himself. Uh, while Angelo Dawkins has been, you know, not so much upplaying, but just kind of getting getting himself more in the spotlight. Especially with that trios match with him, uh, Tez and Bobby Lashley recently. Uh, so I, yeah, like, there's nobody in the men's that I can see that I would prefer other than Sami. I just feel like the theory push is a bit misguided. I'm in agreement with you that of all the combatants in the, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, I felt like Liv was the, was the safer choice as well as the the feel-good choice. So that that I'm totally fine with. Oh, let's continue to push other people as well, for sure. And going back to our earlier point, storyline and from a building standpoint, the Sammies and the and the Seth felt more apropos or it felt like it would have fit better. Uh, but the point is, I think for this men's cash-in, it's tough because Roman's just going to win. Right, what's what's the next match? Rock or somebody at Mania type of thing, or you know, I think it's one of those where this cash in might end up being a wash. So whoever they put up against Roman is just going to lose anyway, in the sense, or that's the inclination that they're driving towards. Him not even sweating it type of thing, even from coming from another heel. So guys like I'm agreeance. Let's get Bobby Lashley a bit of a push for now since Roman's untouchable. He has the U.S. championship. Riddle's just come off of so much time butting up against the bloodline. Same thing with Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. They've come up so many times up against the bloodline in the last month to two months. So for now, we pulled, like I, like I opened the segment, we pulled the trigger on Austin Theory and let's run with it. Yeah, but how far are they going to run? Like, it's just one of those things that we've got to wait and see. I, I, I don't, personally, I don't like it uh, for the reasons I've already mentioned. Um, and they're running before he can walk. And it, it's a little bit, in my opinion, misguided. 
But it remains to be seen. We see congratulations to Liv Morgan and Austin Theory on their success this past week, and we will see how their storylines play out. Congratulations to Liv Morgan only from me because Theory ruined that match. All right, as we switch gears here, we're going to take a look at the AEW Tag Team Division. So what sparked our notion of wanting to take a look at the AEW Tag Team Division on this past week's episode of Dynamite, we end up seeing at the culmination of a match between Swerve in Our Glory and the Butcher and the Blade, we have Team Taz of Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks come out to Jaw Jack and cut a promo on Swerve in Our Glory. But who comes out is the Young Bucks. And in so many words, we're the best tag team. And for next week's episode of Dynamite, which is Fighter Fest Night 1, we're going to have a triple or nothing three-way match for the AEW Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks, the champions, Team Taz, and Swerve in Our Glory. So in the pre-production meeting that we had before this episode, Joker was a little bit disappointed in how this all came together. Yeah, a little bit disappointed is probably the nice way of saying it. Um, uh, and PT did did kind of you know kind of correct me because I or at least try and bring me to my senses because I was trying to go down a more convoluted storyline. Whenever I was complaining about the convoluted storyline about the um, interim uh, the Mox Tanahashi match, yeah, yes. um, I just don't like the fact that it takes the champions to come down and insert themselves into what is effectively a mid-card currently rivalry. Something that has been cold for a week um, because there was legitimately nothing last week between these teams, given blood and guts. Um, and then all of a sudden you have there's no digital exclusive, there's no tweets, there's no nothing, and after this match where Swerve and Our Glory have won, fantastic for them, you have Powerhouse Hobbs coming down, and my absolute favourite man of the minute, um, R R Ricky Starks, just, it, whenever he gets on the mic, he sounds so freaking angry. And he just sells it. And you can tell that he sells it because anytime he does one of his impassioned promos, he brings himself to the brink of swearing and then he catches himself. And it's funny because it was whenever they were up in the stands a few weeks ago, uh, he did it and Taz was on commentary and he goes, watch it, Ricky. You know, just that whole reaction. It's like, just watch your mouth, Ricky. Um, I love Ricky Stark's promos. He's so good at it. Um, and I really do like this sort of rivalry that's going on, and I'm glad they didn't let it cool off for too much longer. I don't like the fact that they're calling themselves the best tag team in the world because they're not having a rivalry about that. They were literally just kind of... It was, it was something about Keith not showing Ricky respect or Re Ricky not liking him coming into the company and then just sort of having this whole ambiguous fallout and then a uh, sort of pseudo-friendly rivalry. 
and then Swerve comes in and you're just like, okay, cool. Now we're just going to have a heated rivalry suite. Now we're the best tag team in the world. Well, you're not. You're like sec- you're ranked second in your division. And FTR is seven-star FTR. They're ranked number one. So why are the champions coming down to the ring in the middle of this promo battle and injecting themselves into this stupid fight for the tag team title. Yeah, it's I'll one of those. Because <laughs> it's stupid. It's one of those interesting things. Before I jump into my point, I do appreciate Ricky Starks doing channeling that 1997 Ric Flair, no Fs given, fire me, uh, Bischoff, fire me, passion. The, yeah. the wide eyes, the hair, looking down the camera, if he could get it any worse. Yeah. Yeah. So I do appreciate he's giving it socks 100%. But I'm in agreement with you that it does seem odd that the tag team champions themselves are like, all right, well, you know, you guys essentially are good tag teams. Team Taz is ranked number two, and Swerve and Our Glory is ranked number three in terms of the tag team rankings. So we're saying, all right, well, let's let's go. Three-way match, triple or nothing, on next week's episode. So it it makes me feel as if we need a match a good match for fighter fest night one next week boom tag team championship match for the titles which part of our argument or part of our conjecture before was knowing that the match itself is young bucks versus ftr winner take all which would presumably happen at all out which is at the end of August, early September. So we need two months to get there. So you can't have the match now, so we need something in the interim. Boom, let's have a three-way match at the moment, but I'm in agreement. It does seem weird to have it positioned as the Bucks making the match as opposed to any of the other teams challenging. Yeah, and the problem for me is that these three teams don't mesh. They do not, in my opinion, have a good way to mesh together and put on what you know what we could expect to be a five-star match with the Bucks involved. Um, because you have Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs in there. And this is not me attacking them. This is me saying they're too big guys you're gonna do big guy things they're gonna be absolutely murking each other and then they can do some of the flippy stuff they can do some of that athletic stuff because they're athletic big men i love both keith lee and powerhouse hobbs and when the day comes and they're both in that singles division everybody best be on notice because they're coming for your titles I can't wait to see Powerhouse Hobbs as the AEW champ someday. It's going to happen. And I would love to see him versus Ricky Stark. So that's an aside. Anyway, um, you don't have somebody then that can match up on the Young Bucks side of things. Like The Young Bucks will do really well with Ricky and Swerve. 100%. But then they're going to have to do some funky shenanigans to take down one of the big guys. And it's going to kind of be a bit disjointed, in my opinion, because some of their really good stuff has been uh, in matches against 
uh, FTR, who that, that have been heavy hitting, but also had those nice big spots. And even against um, the Lucha Bros, uh, where some of their matches are just insane. Uh, I just feel like this uh, three-way match has a little bit of an X factor and not in a good way. I'm trying to think of consistent tag teams as to why, obviously Team Taz is ranked number two and Swerve and is ranked number three. I'm trying to think of consistent tag teams that have been featured on television. Obviously the Young Bucks, FTR, we know Team Taz and Swerve and Our Glory, but we're trying to think about, well, who else we got? And it's not in a disrespectful sense. We've seen the best friends now come back to TV, but we've seen Trent Beretta re- weave in and out with his old tag team partner, Rocky Romero, for yep. that. We've seen, even though the Kings of the Black Throne or the Malachi Black and Brody King tag team, we've seen them more apart and not sort of tag teaming together other than being in the trios match at the previous pay-per-view. We're trying to think about the Lucha Bros, right? Have been, but they've more been about, uh, they were in the Battle Royale and then the the Roya- the Battle Royale as well for the interim World, he- uh, World Heavyweight Championship match as well. Uh, Pentagon having a match with Roosh recently. Crowd and Powerful have not been teaming. So things like that. Uh, Red Dragon's Dark out. Order. Yeah, Red Dragon's been out. So, like, we haven't had a ton of tag teams collectively that have been positioned high. Things yeah. like the Acclaimed, things like the Gun Club, obviously, are tag teams, but they're not maybe at positioned as high. Obviously, the Hardys are not together. We haven't seen the Varsity Blondes in a minute. So, you know, we're seeing the Butcher and the Blade kind of come back into the fold, but we're not seeing a ton of tag teams together positioned high other than maybe the folks that are involved in these matchups we have a lot of teams yeah we we, you legitimately ran through a fair few amount of teams there and adding in uh dark order had two tag teams in Stu and uno uh the smash bros and then you had um john silver and alex had three because then alan angels was with preston vance as well And then, like you said, Silver and Reynolds. So they right. had three tag teams. Now they only have one right. uh, in Silver and Reynolds, and they don't even compete at the minute. Then you have Bear Country, uh, who, are com- or who are competing with uh, Leon Ruff in, in trios action recently. Um, and then you have, like you said, the Acclaimed and the Ass Boys. Um, so you have a lot of teams that are, like you said, very low down on this totem pole. Um, and yeah, the butcher and the blade coming in, uh, private party. There was another one that was the kind of missed that one. Like these teams have had injuries, top flight. Um, and I'm just, as they come to my head, I'm just remembering the other tag teams. Like, and this is the thing, like whenever we were talking about, uh, putting this together, the AEW, AEW tag team division in my head, it was a joke because AEW is just a tag team company for the most part, like they have all the tag teams. Um, and if they don't, then they make more tag teams. So that's just kind of what happens. But then you kind of look at it like this and the young bucks are having to issue challenges. No, don't do that. Like 
the the reason they're not fighting FTR is obviously, like you said, all in in September. Cool. Plus, they have FTR fighting them boys to Briscoe's uh, uh, um, death, death before, before dishonor. dishonor. Like, I mean, that that's the real reason why you know they have to be on fighter fest is because the other champions, the ones who've been more prevalent, the Ring of Honor champs, um, and the IWGP and the Triple uh tag team champions, you know, they are currently doing a lot more work than every single tag team. So, um, once FTR become uh, the the you know become Super Saiyan and carry four of the uh, the title belts, then it's going to be even more insane. Um, but like, it's just one of these things that uh, I didn't like the fact that they were having to inject themselves into this story that didn't seem to be and. They they sort of shoehorned the fact that Ricky and Powerhouse and Keith and Swerve couldn't beat Lucha uh, Luchasaurus. Uh, I don't know why I just said Lucha, but Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy they couldn't beat them, but the Young Bucks did. It's like yeah yeah yeah, but legitimately they should have beat Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy because that was the right time to do it. They just postponed it for a week because you were the guys that had to have the titles. Let's face it. Um, yeah, I'm in agreement that yeah, the Young Bucks should not having be having to be made to make challenges teams. They, I do like the the piece of the challenger challenging the champion, and then either being the cowardly heel or the you're gonna guts up and like you know what you got it type of thing so that story or that path resonates more with me but the fact that and a taking away nothing against these two teams the team taz and swerve in our glory but they've been sort of intertwined or on in wrestling they call it married to each other for months now and we've seen it as far back as a month and change now at the Three-way match with the aforementioned Jurassic Express. And they've been intertwined before that. So it's one of those where we just need the blow-off, have a match between the two, and kind of let them sort of rivalry kind of dissipate. And then maybe just have, bring the other, filter in the other teams. Like, again, that we mentioned, the Butcher and the Blade is back. Throw in Private Party. You know, have have them fight, get a little bit of the rub, get the showcase, showcase and show off your other tag teams so that we can feel like it's more than just FTR being shown prominently. Of course, we have the Young Bucks. We're seeing these two teams. We have a deep tag team division. Show me them more. Showcase them more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was actually shown quite well on uh, SmackDown recently, uh, as recently as last night, um, when... Gunther came out, and the the rumors the rumors were abound that he was going to be doing an open challenge for the Intercontinental Title, and he was just like, anyone who um, doesn't know who they're challenging is a fool. I was like, yeah, a hundred percent, I completely agree. Like, if you don't know who you're challenging, then you're really stupid. And I really like that idea that he is not going to do an open challenge. And the same should be said that tight title holders are not the ones to be challenging 
you know, picking their challengers uh, or by inserting themselves into uh, other other storylines. Because like you said, if we had this blow off with just Team Taz and Swerve in Our Glory, we have Team Taz go over and then we have the breakup of Swerve in Our Glory. And then we have them interfering in matches between the two because they've broken up and now you have them pitting against each other and you could have Swerve or Keith join Team Taz and then you could have play, have them play the long con of where it was like, well, we just kind of wanted to dissolve Team Taz so we kind of infiltrated you, broke you guys apart and then we're back to being Swerve in our glory. Like, that's super long-term uh, booking right there, but you don't need the Young Bucks in there. In fact, the Young Bucks kind of dissolves the fact that if it happens it's probably going to be team Taz taking the pin like i can i can see ricky taking the pin here and that's that's the other problem like who do you have taking the pin because it's it's clearly not the box losing who out of the the four individuals do you have taking the pin it's such a hard call yeah but you need you like it's uh, it's challenging in the sense that we know that the Bucks are going to come out victorious. Pretty clear indication there. And again, I think it goes back to my point of we're going to wait on the FTR Bucks match for the winner take all. But we need something now because we got Fighter Fest coming up. Cool. Let's just have let's the Young Bucks can do a banger. Let's put it in here. So I think it's more. I'm almost slightly disappointed that it's more of a piece of convenience than it is to we're building up and the execution of the story or how they positioned it was lackluster for me. But yeah, it's one of those where, all right, well, in that case, then since we know the Bucks are winning, does a Ricky or a Swerve Strickland take the pin to potentially save the big beefy boys of Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs? The notion of being taking the pen or the submissions so i don't know it's a tough one to call for sure yeah it's 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 kind of like what why are we putting them into this whenever none of the options for the pen are good like the only good option is really for uh, the bucks to lose um because they've inserted themselves into the story that needs a definitive win otherwise the other team is going to have the leg up um and it's not going to be resolved so you're kind of scuppering the story there, Bucks. Uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe a week or two ago uh, Andrade and Roosh maybe uh, attack the Bucks um, and set up a possible uh, tag match there for the titles just because. Like, Andrade is not doing anything right now. Roosh recently had his AEW debut um his debut match rather um so i mean you know that wouldn't have been terrible uh you, you could have added in really the possibilities are endless uh if you had a started two weeks ago uh and picked uh any tag team to attack the bucks or have the bucks be annoyed at this other tag team uh but they they kind of shoehorned in the fact that uh, we're the best tag team in AEW, and then out come the Bucks. They shoehorned it in. It was kind of whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of this, but I see what the reasoning behind it is. But again, with the with the theory stuff, just because I know what they're trying to do, 
kind of just has me whatever about it. You know, it, it this could be a good match. Uh, if I was more um, interested in it, I could be looking forward to this match if, if it was given the proper build. Uh, but this is not the proper build. Yeah. As a as an aside to that as well, I was okay with the FTR basically not being featured this week, pretty much, on Dynamite and or Rampage because we don't want to overexpose. Because again, they've been getting a lot of coverage and have been prominent on TV for sure. But them with the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, Death Before Dishonor, I'm okay with the simpler build of FTR saying, hey, Briscoes, you want to go one more time? And then the Briscoes coming back and saying, yep, so we're having FTR Briscoes too. The simple build was actually okay, and I felt okay with it, again, with it coming up with the Ring of Honor pay-per-view than I was with the quote-unquote quick build of the AEW championship match for whatever reason yeah. it felt better yeah definitely i think it may have had something to do with the fact that ftr briscoe's one was a blooming great match like um i can't say that i was ever a big fan of ring of honor i never watched that much ring of honor but whenever that pay-per-view was on i watched every single match and there was a few on that card that really impressed me on the ftr briscoe's was a big match that impressed me. So I can't wait for Death Before Dishonor because that's going to be great. Um, and yeah, like you said, the quick build for that was because there's history there. Um, there's a pay-per-view for the Ring of Honor coming up. So we'll, we did it last time at the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Let's do it again this time. Let's run it back. Um, and the Briscoe's come back saying, yeah, hell yeah, dog. Like, let's, let's just let's get it done. And um, it's it's a really really good way to do a uh, a quick build if you have the champions uh, try and just uh, the baby face champions uh, offer up a challenge to um, a previous competitor who they haven't faced since winning the titles from them like they've been Ring of Honor champions since beating the Briscoes for these titles. And they haven't really fought any other Ring of Honor tag teams. So maybe the notion of, even though it was essential for argumentative sakes, it was the same thing. The champions, the Ring of Honor champions FTR challenged the Briscoes. The AEW champions challenged the two teams of Team Taz and Swerve in Our Glory. But maybe because of the history between FTR and the Briscoes, we were more invested. Would you say that's fair? I would say it, it's slightly more accurate. It, it's also the fact that the Briscoes were not in a storyline with another team. The Briscoes were a Ring of Honor tag team that uh, the tag team titles have to be defended on the pay-per-view. Okay? This is, the, this is the big point. It's a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. The Ring of Honor tag team titles have to be defended on that, on that pay-per-view. Let's face it. There's not enough Ring of Honor right, right now it would make sense for those titles to be defended on that pay-per-view. So who better to fight than the guys who previously fought? Because Ring of Honor hasn't really been working as much recently. So there's no new teams. We can't really do a storyline. Let's just bring in the previous contenders. It's quick, it's dirty, it's easy. Because there's no convolution. But for the AEW titles, you have this story over here. 
and here's the title holders. The then this story's going off, and the title holders are like, "Well, I kind of I'm gonna get rid of my hands. It just looked weird." <laughs> um, so like the the title holders are just kind of like, "Well, we're not doing anything. So let's just go over here and annoy these guys." Because they're doing something. And I didn't like what they said. So now we're going to say we're the best because we're holding the titles. Like, well, duh. I mean, it probably would have made sense for you to do something that was a little more convoluted. Like, okay, cool. You guys need to have a tag match, a three-way tag match to qualify to fight us ahead of FTR. Because FTR are all fighting the Briscoes. Because they don't think that we're, you know... They think that they're too good to fight us, right? So you have them maybe in a three-way with the Butcher and the Blade. You have Swerving Our Glory and you have uh, Team Taz. Like, I know this is convoluted and this is why you were saying to me, like, this is a little bit convoluted even though you were saying you didn't like it. It's like, yes, because this makes more sense. It, if you add in the fact that these guys have to qualify ahead of FTR, it just means that then they can go on the fighter fest. And this is why you should have done it two weeks ago, not this week. Then they can go on to fighter fest and fight the, uh, and fight um, the bucks, the bucks. Like it just makes more sense for the bucks to instigate a challenge fight. than and then for them to take advantage of weakened challengers the next week than for them to purposefully add themselves into a triple threat match. I'm always in agreement that a simpler build is probably the safest and kind of more easier to understand and be engaged with Avenue. But yeah, it's one of those, again, even though we've essentially said the Ring of Honor match now and then the AEW tag match is essentially, A, the champs calling out the challengers and type of thing even though it's positioned slightly different it's essentially the same thing but notwithstanding again we're just more invested in the ring of honor uh storyline and the, the match than we are the piece and again it's we'll add the extra caveat again we have a big show coming up so we need we need a match and mm. this is what each show decided to go with but yeah we just for whatever reason maybe again because it it's because of the Team Taz and Swerve in Our Glory kind of mini few that they have going on. It felt like the match should have been for them as opposed to thrown into bucks. But hey, we got a show coming up, brother. We need a good match, so let's do it. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the last things I'll say on it is um, whenever I, I complained about the AW Women's Division, I said that we need to get the title off uh, Rosa and onto Tony Storm so she can kickstart uh, new stories and uh, have that title reach relevancy. They didn't do that, and now they're starting tag teams. So way to go. You're continuing to destroy your division. Good job there, TK. So what they really should have done with the AEW tag titles here as well is when they took them off, uh, the, the, the boy and his dinosaur, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, um, that should have been the catalyst for... Uh, the Bucks to be like we're the best tag team in the world again, and we're gonna you know, we're gonna start trying to um, uh, prove our dominance over the rest of the division and start the storyline off there. But they didn't. They missed the freaking boat again. So now they're having to 
create this storyline with, like we said, that all these tag teams are out there just not doing an awful lot because there's some higher profile ones that are injured. So this is where you start having uh, tournaments or like AEW really good at their tournaments. Like we've seen what they can do with these sort of tournaments with the AEW interim one um, or for the All Oceans Irish Sea English Channel one. Like, why not just put yourself into a situation where the Bucks lead this division and steer things away from FTR, which then annoys FTR enough to instigate them into putting it all on the line, all or nothing, three for you know three against one, uh, you know belt sort of situation, winner takes all. Um, you know, big blow off match and a few uh, at um, all out, all in, all out. Sorry, all out at uh, in September. Like, you know, th- this this could have been weeks in the making, and instead, it's one throwaway promo on a dynamite that sucked. Yeah, it's a bit of a confusing one, but much like the AEW Women's Division. And for the most part, we just we want we want better storylines. We want folks to get a chance and type of thing, and maybe just a little bit cleaner execution of how we're executing these storylines. Yeah. But those are our thoughts on the AEW tag team division. Definitely let us know your thoughts in the comments down below on YouTube as well as on Instagram and Twitter. All right, time once again for our quick hits. Uh, for those just just joining us, quick hits are little segments that we enjoyed throughout the week, uh, or that also what you call pop the boys segments that we wanted to share with you here. So I'll start us off here. I have two this week. The first one you may have seen this uh, shared on Twitter on a digital, but Matt Menard's post blood and guts promo. I mean. Man alive. I won't spoil it because I can't really do it a ton of justice. It's about three minutes long. But man, when you give that a watch, and I was just getting goosebumps watching that. When you talk about the passion, the vitriol, the realness, you got to see, forget about Daddy Magic for a second. You got to see Matt Menard, the person, come through in that. You know, he's got blood all over his face. He's talking about, you know, why is this match happening when we beat them in anarchy in the arena? He's talking about, we took the privilege away from Eddie submitting Chris. Even though he got the victory, he goes into, I can't believe I'm doing this, but, you know, I need to work. I missed my son's first steps. And he ends it with, you want to make big money? You got to do big boy-ish. And, whew, hot dang. I was like, this guy... Getting goosebumps just kind of talking about it again. I can feel it kind of running up my arms, but one hell of a promo. It was super good. I watched a little snippet of it, and whenever you linked it to me, it was the full thing. I hadn't watched the full thing. And yeah, like goosebumps. I was enthralled uh, legitimately by it was like a six minute video of him and uh, Kulan Dange, but like both promos back to back, haunting. And uh, amazing. Yeah, just, I. you always knew that 2.0 were really good talkers. You got to see a little bit of it in NXT. 
But now that they've come into prominence and being paired alongside and getting more TV time alongside Jericho and his faction, man, you can see them shine now yeah. more so, and especially in this promo here. So if you have not Long gotten short, check out that promo. Yeah, likewise for sure. Again, I just mentioned a couple pieces, but watch it and feel that promo. And we're talking about, man... Uh, these guys are going to be definitely be pushed solely on the basis of that for sure. Mm -hmm. And the second piece that I have here for my quick hits, you know, there's an interesting cross section between pro wrestling fans and video game fans. Mm -hmm. And Matthew from Botchamania does a fantastic way of showcasing that on each episode of Botchamania. So that notwithstanding, during the John Moxley and Brody King match for the interim AEW World Heavyweight Championship on this past episode of Dynamite, we saw a sign in the crowd that says, quote, please put Yoshi's cookie on the Switch. And I absolutely love when I get to see video game signs and people make references at wrestling shows, being a, obviously a wrestling fan for the purposes of the show and being a huge video game fan myself uh, very quickly for those that aren't aware of Yoshi's Cookie it was a tile match puzzle game originally released on the NES and Game Boy 92 and then got a release on SNES in 93 was remade and ported to the GameCube and then subsequently put on Wii U's virtual console but has yet to be put on the Switch yeah, I did, did not see this sign but yeah Completely agree. Lo gotta love the time uh, match puzzle games. Why not? And if you haven't got a chance already to subtly look into the crowd during more prominently now AEW shows, uh, definitely, once again, Matthew from Botchamania does a fantastic piece of showcasing that. And it's there's quite a lot if you haven't been noticing. So it's one of those nice where, things where it's not intrusive, if you, if you catch it, you catch it. And if you know the reference, you know the reference. But again, I do like the phenomenal cross-section between pro wrestling fans and video game fans. It is interesting. So those were my two quick hits from this week. Joker, do you have any quick hits? I as well have two this week. Uh, some of the... Uh, they're, they're less so that made me burst out laughing or anything like an awful lot of my quick hits are what gets me to giggle uh what gets me sort of um popping really hard like i have a very high bar for what's gonna pop me as well because sometimes it'll go it'll get a chuckle um but it's not worth it um and on this one only one of them got a chuckle out of me the other one gave me goosebumps much like the uh the matt menard promo uh it was eddie kingston's promo after his uh, Kanosuke Takeshita match on Rampage, which you should go watch that match. It was a really good match. Um, it was definitely one of the more hard-hitting matches, and uh, Kanosuke Takeshita is up-and-coming and amazing, and uh, is definitely going to be big. But regardless, uh, it was to do with uh, how Eddie uh, was really pissed at Jericho um making a liar out of him and how he's going to spill all his blood at fighter fest and how like you got to watch the promo because again I, I i cannot do it justice but the very 
vibe of this promo was Jake Roberts' biblical testimony promos mm. from uh, from back in the day, where he wasn't he wasn't his normal. I'm going to murder you because that's my you know that's the way I am, my life, and I'm screaming and I'm angry. He was calculated. He was deliberate and at the very end he just goes on the last drop of your blood and he, he practically whispered it's like it's for my ruby obviously making reference to uh the fact that uh they Conti injured ruby soho earlier in the week and like like you did earlier on i feel the goosebumps just thinking about the promo it was just so good and it just oh made me smile yeah that was another intense one too i really like the connection you made with because Eddie can be can say so much without saying a ton, but the mm. the passion and 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 the intensity that he has in promos. But I do like the connection you made with a little bit of that slightly more soft spoken, not not a big shouty, uh, you know, '80s promo. But it's like you know that that kind of calming, draw you in, Jake Roberty style promo. I love the connection you made. They sort of hush you and make you listen. Like, I love that style of promo. Like, I might not have been a big fan of the 80s wrestling, but like that promo style where they just, they sort of just talk and they don't scream and shout, they just talk. It brings you in, it sucks you in, and you're just like, wow. That's what Eddie did on this. Fantastic promo. I loved it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and my second one, really quick one is during the uh, Tony Nese and Orange Cassidy match, also on Rampage, uh, there was just a little a little bit of a, a comment whenever Tony Nese was in the ring uh, where uh, big old Skiavone says, you can't deny what Tony Nese brings to the ring, and without missing a beat, the old JR just says, abs. Just, that was it. <laughs> Nothing else, like he had been giving it beans, like he had been really peeved and stuff throughout the night, saying, saying, you know, how people were stupid and for all the hate JR gets recently about him making missed calls, you know, saying names incorrectly. Whenever Skivone said, you can't deny what he brings to the ring, JR, quick as a whip, abs. And that was it. You know, JR, you're not wrong. He's Tony, not wrong. Tony Nice does bring abs. Yeah, um, he does. To the to the point you just made. <laughs> I just am hilarious. Man. Yeah. I'm intrigued by the more recent the JR not no F's given sort of dry wit kind of uh quick comments that he kind of comes out with and this has sort of been indicative and this is just puts it in there. He's just like uh, quick as a, a whip it with a bum full of dynamite just goes abs. I mean, like just just to, to tack on to what you were mentioning, like the no F's given there was a match earlier on as well with um Tiger Style and uh what's his name? I can't remember his name now. The foundation of Ring of Honor. Jonathan Ring Gresham. Of Honor. Jonathan Gresham. Uh where John Gresham just walks away from the ring and and JR literally calls him stupid. Like he's just like, why are you doing something so stupid? And I'm like, maybe it's maybe it's a bit JR. Don't get so angry at him. So, I yeah, need JR. to know what's going I on, need, Tony. Need to know Excalibur. I need to know what he's doing. So, yeah. What's uh, going yeah, on here? He's so. he's definitely uh that that abs just got me though. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting. He's he's certainly now that he's not the primary play-by-play -play and a bit more of a color analyst, you can see a little bit more of his personality too. And I know that Jr. is going through a little bit of a rough patch with the uh, piece with the uh, injury to his foot and the kind of uh, the chemotherapy with chemotherapy. It? Yeah, and he's 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 hurting a little bit, but. That notwithstanding, again, we're hoping all the best for you and, the, and a quicker recovery for you, JR. But the the sort of notion that he can kind of step back and he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm going to call it like I see it. Kind of a little cowboy-esque coming out with a Smith and Wesson just shooting. So. Yep. It was great. But I absolutely love that. So actually, great observation. Good call on that. So those were our quick hits for this week. If you have some quick hits... Let us know definitely in the comment section down below or in Instagram or Twitter for sure. That's going to do it for this week's episode, and that about wraps it up. So how was it for you, man? Because it, it felt fun. It was a good conversation. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. There was a lot of stuff that, uh, again, whenever we, we pick subjects that uh, kind of get us worked up and heated, you can definitely feel it, um, especially whenever we're talking about the... Uh, storylines that we want to happen and not the ones that were force fed so it was really good it was it was uh it was fun yeah it's definitely a tough part when we know sort of things may happen down the line and we have to kind of wait for them so it's not necessarily more of an impatience but i think it's more about the execution of the story and how we get there is more that we want to see again much like any other tv show that you watch if it's if you're engaged with a story and it's good storytelling, then yeah, you are definitely down for it and you enjoy it that much more. Yep. All right. So for TF Joker, I'm going to go and watch that Eddie Kingston promo again. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.